Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Well, hey and welcome back and happy Wednesday. Hey, we're going to get straight into it today uh, because as you would probably know, for those of you that have been following along, this is actually a second part of a two-part series that we've been doing all around mental health, around anxiety, depression, and my beautiful guest Amy is back with us and I will introduce her again for those of you that perhaps haven't listened, but I would encourage you all to go back and listen to our podcast from last week. Uh, The reason I wanted to do two parts is because I think there's really two sides to the whole mental health coin. One side being that I think perhaps we are over-diagnosing and um, if you go back and listen or you have already listened, the probably the big takeaway or the biggest takeaway from last week was that we can uh, perhaps redefine mental health. Um, For a lot of us, we're actually having a normal reaction to the circumstances that we're going through at the time. But today we're going to go through a bit more of the other side of the coin and I've got my friend Amy here again. Hey Amy. Hi. It's so nice to have you back. Thanks for coming back again today. For those of you perhaps that haven't listened yet, Amy is one of our students from the Youth Alive Academy and she has done one year with us at the academy and has come back for a second year. She is a leader at her church, not just in one area, but in about four. She does creative, she does youth, uh, marketing. I'm missing something. Production. Production. (laughs) And this is my point of today, is that Amy has had a really tumultuous journey, that's a big word, tumultuous journey with mental health, But she is somebody that um, I didn't even realize for the first probably six months at Academy. Like, she's not someone that you can tell. Like, she doesn't run out of class, you know. Like, I I had no idea until we were having a discussion uh, in the Academy around how we overuse the word anxious. I've got anxiety because I'm feeling anxious, etc. So Amy's going to share some of her journey. And the main reason I wanted her to share is because she actually yes, has a mental health diagnosis, but she's also living uh, life really well and she is an incredible leader. And that's why I wanted her to chat with us today because do you know what? Having a mental health diagnosis, it's not the end of the world. You can still be an incredible leader and have a mental health diagnosis. And Amy is going to unpack that for us today. So Amy, you left us off at the end of the or halfway through the last one, you were talking a little bit about your diagnosis, and you said that over your well, you're only 20. I forgot to tell everyone yes. that you're only 20, but you've been diagnosed with all three anxiety, depression, and bipolar. Yes, and you did talk a little bit about how you uh, were went to your GP. Your mum realised something was wrong. Yes, went to your GP. Um, and of course, go back and listen if you want to know what to do if you don't have someone like a mum that can kind of go, hey, something's not right, I'm going to take you to a doctor. And then you talked about um, going and seeing a psychologist, even though you didn't want to, but I wanted to rewind a bit. Can you talk to us about that process leading up to the diagnosis and what that looked like for you? Like, was all three at the same time or were all three at different times? Yes, yeah, so my original diagnosis of um, 
anxiety and depression that happened back in would have been around mid-2015. Um, a recap for anyone who didn't uh, catch that in the last podcast, um, my parents split at the very beginning of 2015. Um, so this was, I turned 15 that year. And so mum had recognised that something was a little bit off and I just wasn't myself anymore. We went to my GP um, and what they will usually give you is there's this piece of paper and it has a heap of questions on it and you fill them out and it's just kind of a gauge as to whether or not they think you might be um, someone who is suffering with depression or anxiety. So I filled that out. Um, I was looking at my results actually yesterday and I got like 30 out of 30 for both. Oh, really? Um, like, for like, hello, I'm registering on the scale. Yeah, pretty much. Which, let's just backtrack three seconds. FYI, don't diagnose yourself on the internet. No, oh my goodness. <laughs> there are different, like, I know Black Dog Institute, they do have a lot of information, really good information um, on different mental health issues. And there are some self-tests on there, but please don't use them don't as a diagnostic them. tool. They're there to kind of help you think maybe, oh, maybe I should go and see my GP mm. about this or maybe I should go and talk to a chaplain mm. or my youth leader or something about it. Because I think we'd all register if we, you know, like, like if, if I'm sure. answering that on a bad day, I'd be mm. like, oh, yeah, tick, 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 that's me. Yep. But don't do it, guys. Don't exactly. you say. Yeah. Um, so went to the GP, filled those out, registered pretty dang <laughs> high on um, both of those tests. And were these for any Depression and anxiety. Got you. Yes. So then they will kind of... Depending on your results, they will do up a mental health plan. That mental health plan will usually include um, a referral to go and see a psychologist or a counsellor um, and then some information on, so for example, mine had uh, a technique called belly breathing and it's just basically focusing mm. on your breathing to try and regulate where you are with everything. Um, it, it actually, the doctor taught me about that. You know how I was telling yes. you all last week I had the... Um, panic attacks or whatever and she taught me about how powerful it is to breathe properly because yes. what it does is it switches on your I can't remember what it's called neurosympathetic system mm. or something it's probably not sympathetic I probably something made up that, that word <laughs> neuro something it actually calms you down when you can they say for seven minutes mm -hmm. if you can deep breathe from your belly like breathe in mm. and then as you breathe out I used to go I'm relaxed <laughs> and do it for seven minutes, mm. you can actually physically or neurologically, it helps you. And I mean, it's a little bit of a sidetrack, but there is this incredible app that I've been using for years. And if you are struggling with uh, your breathing and your breathing technique, especially if you're anxious, if your heart rate is elevated or anything like that, it's called Breathe. It's, mm. it's literally just called Breathe. I think it's by Reach Out. Um, and you can monitor your heart rate and then you can set how, for how long you want to do this breathing technique wow. and then it runs through it with you and then you check your heart rate again afterwards and if your heart rate is still elevated maybe do it again it's incredible um I would recommend it to anyone even when I'm a little bit nervous now or if I'm having a hard time going to bed like I'll just yeah. go on the app and use it it's really yeah. incredible did this make you nervous even during the oh, podcast yeah, for sure I mean I still get nervous with a lot of things and I still occasionally have panic attacks right. but it's not to the extent that it was back in say 2015 2016 2017 wow. yeah um 
Anyway, back to diagnosis. I also want to ask you about how come, you know, what coping strategy, let's do that one later, the coping yes. strategies that you say now yes. it's not as bad. So mm-hmm. like what has led you there? So yeah. let's do that in a minute. Go yeah, back to your diagnosis. So I was then going along to a psychologist, a really lovely lady, but we just didn't really click. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counsellor, you don't have to stick with the same person. If you go along to them and you really don't feel like you click, then you're not going to have those really good conversations that you need to be having. Yeah, great. So they're not going to be offended if you say, oh, mm. I, I think I'd like to go see someone else. They're not going to be offended. It's completely fine. Like find someone who you really gel with. It took me, I think, I think three different psychologists before I ended up at my psychiatrist. Like it wow. takes time. That's good advice and that's okay. Yeah, it's definitely okay to not gel with whoever you're talking to. Just find someone who you do gel with because then you're actually going to have the conversations that you should be having and you need to be having. Yeah. Um, My psychiatrist is incredible. I I cannot recommend going to see someone enough. I Mm. went through so many different psychologists and I ended up somehow with the most incredible Christian psychiatrist I have Mm. ever met who turns out has connections to people that I have like had interactions with in different areas and we just bonded on so many different Mm. levels and I didn't think we would but that meant that I could then have these really deep conversations and talk about the things that I didn't really want to talk about with anyone else but this level of trust was there you've got to gel with whoever you're talking to it's really really important um but through seeing uh this psychiatrist um once again I was looking through some old notes um psych notes and everything and there was this note from him saying she definitely has depression and anxiety but I'm really worried that she may have bipolar disorder um and I would like to look into that further and that was in 2016. Did you know that that he'd written that at the time? So originally, no. um, But looking back at it now, definitely was something that should have been written and should have been something really that was investigated further. Um, With bipolar itself, it's really hard to diagnose. Yes. um, Because it does have a lot of tendencies that present as other either mental health illnesses or um, even physical illnesses as Mm. well. So it's not a one-and-done kind of fill out a test at the GP. It's a – I was at my psychiatrist for quite a long time before we even arrived at this conclusion. Yeah, so it's something they want to observe over a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it brought up things that I didn't even realise were an issue. Like I was having um, sensory hallucinations, which it sounds really (laughs) strange. It sounds really crazy. But for years – I felt like I had bugs crawling under my skin when I was really anxious and I would scratch myself um, to try and get rid of the bugs, but I would end up with these massive bruises on my arms because I was just scratching like so crazy to get rid of it. But this was like something that my brain had gone to as a coping mechanism to kind of try and distract me from what was currently happening. I was borderline dissociative disorders. Um, So even now sometimes if I'm really, really, really stressed, I will have – a dissociation kind of yeah which makes you issue. feel like surreal right like yes. you're there but not there yeah yeah so I, it's kind of 
I wouldn't say an out of body experience because that sounds so weird. Um, <laughs> and if just... you could meet Amy, she's like the most kind of like down to earth. Like when she tells me those things about herself, like it does, it makes both of us yeah, laugh because you're like, so that's weird. Not, that's not it's Amy so, on a good no, day. No, it's not. It's not me. Like it's no. definitely it was a coping, yes. a negative coping mechanism that my brain had concocted. Right. And a lot of the time, your brain will it will do that. It will come up with different things. Like you might. As a child, I have heard of, um, like, kids who are dealing with, like, severe trauma, but mm-hmm. then they just stop speaking altogether. Yes. And my, my brain was just like, okay, we're just going to completely switch off. You're not in your body anymore. Right. Or you've got something under your skin. Focus on that instead. Yeah. Um, I was having really big issues with, like, restless legs yes. and everything. Um, Mum was telling me a story the other day about how we were walking through Indrapilly Shopping Centre and um, – it was one of my really bad days yeah. and my legs just gave out. Wow. And I was in the middle of Indrapilly Shopping Centre and I couldn't walk. Like it's – what I had wasn't like a little thing. It was debilitating. Like, yeah. And it wasn't just like the bipolar. It was then having these anxiety attacks on top of that and everything. It just kind yeah. of builds up. And it's amazing how our brains are so connected mm-hmm. to our bodies. Oh, yeah. And when something's not right and our emotions, you know, we've mm. got anxiety or depression or bipolar, mm. it will actually manifest itself yeah. in some sort of physical way. Exactly, yeah. And I think sometimes what happens, we become so fearful of the physical manifestation and we focus on that, which is what your body's trying mm-hmm. to do, is yeah. trying to cope by distracting you. But then we become afraid of the symptom mm-hmm. and then that puts us in a cycle of fearing. Oh, yeah. we, we fear the fear. Mm. So, yeah, that's incredible. Wow. Yes. So it was a process to diagnose you with a bipolar. Yes, very long process. It yeah. started in 2015 and I only got uh, the diagnosis would have been end of 2017 of, yeah. bi- of bipolar. We'd mm-hmm. been talking about it for a while, mm-hmm. but as a child, you can't really diagnose a child with bipolar disorder. No, they won't. I think exactly. there's a minimum age yeah. before they'll diagnose. Yeah. It was like, I can't remember if it was end of 2017 or start yeah. of 2018. It was around there. Mm. Yeah. So that they're your three diagnoses that you mm-hmm. ended up with. Yeah. And so um, so tell us maybe from a, um, you know, like a, a medical point of view, I guess, mm-hmm. so you don't have to go the ins and outs of the medication, but they, they obviously decided then to yes. put – had you been on medication up until that time? Yeah, so back in 2015, um, went to a few psychologists and my GP obviously and kind of decided that it would be a good idea to at least start me on – uh, sleeping medication because I wasn't sleeping. That was right. another way that my body was kind of not coping with things. I wouldn't be sleeping sometimes at all. I would just go straight through the night, staring at my ceiling, just overthinking and not being able to process anything. Um, and so it was 2015, I was put on some antidepressants. And so it was the antidepressants and the sleeping medication. Mm-hmm. But to even get to the right antidepressant, that took probably about a full 12 months. Um, to get to the exact right one. It's very trial and error with medication. And when I'm talking about this, please don't think that, like, I'm like, oh, you should go on medication. Like, I am not a medical professional. I am not a psychologist. I'm a 20-year-old youth leader. Um, (laughs) This is just my experience. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting with medication because a lot of people don't think of the side effects. Right. and they're like, okay, cool, I'm going to go on antidepressants, it's going to get better. Not necessarily, because you can't just go on medication and everything but everything be better. You have to have a support network, you have to have people to 
help you through it and to chat to and you have to actually be trying to get better and to yeah, improve. Yeah, so the medication really was a temporary measure to yes. help you cope with life yeah. while you then got to the root and the base of mm-hmm. um, A, perhaps what led yeah. you there, but also B, to help you ha- um, with other coping mechanisms. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And when you do start talking to someone about it, like a medical professional, they will talk you through different coping mechanisms and how to um, deal with that. Because mm-hmm. if you're on medication, yeah, okay, that's that's great. And if that's working, that's even better. But you can't just be on medication. Yeah. You need to have yes. it paired with coping mechanisms. Yeah. Especially because you struggled on medication because yes. you had side effects. Yes, so I had a lot of side effects with my medication. It took me a long time to find correct medications. I would go on sleeping tablets and then they would plateau after like a month and then they would be of absolutely no use anymore. I was having weekly blood tests for about two years. It's it's not fun. Mm-hmm. I think a common misconception is, oh yeah, okay, I'm on antidepressants, everything's cool. No, it's not it's not really that fun. It's not yeah. It's not a fun process at all. And it's very difficult to kind of, you know, yeah, get there in the first place. Yeah. So it's really quite a journey. There was the journey of diagnosis. Well, obviously, there was all the living Mm. through it up to that point. Journey of diagnosis, journey of medication. So what then were some of the coping mechanisms that you learned? And obviously, again, Mm. this is different for every person. Mm. But um, Because you're not on medication now? Not anymore, no. Right, which is amazing. Yeah, incredible. Um, I was having a lot of really bad side effects. Um, We went through as many medications Mm. as possible, really. And it got to the point where it was having more negative effects than good. Um, I have a lot of other physical medical issues. So those side effects on top of what I was already dealing with was just way too much for my body to handle. Yeah. So like fainting behind. Yes. So I was driving (laughs) and I would be stopped the traffic lights and I'd be like, oh my goodness, I need to pull over. I am going to actually pass out. My vision would half go, my hearing would go. I'd be like, okay, I need to pull over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, very interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Great fun. <laughs> and, and again, I can't reiterate enough that if you meet Amy, it's just like, really? Because <laughs> like, you um, you cope so well with yeah. life, like from, from my observation of you. And obviously mm. it's not always easy. Um, so talk to us about the coping mechanisms that you mm-hmm. would use now. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of it comes down to my support network. Um So I started going to City Hope and then City Youth in 2016. So coming from, I was originally in a Presbyterian church. So very different to, yeah, very different. um, But it's just a very different vibe altogether. And the people seemed to be so much different. And as soon as I came to church, I was like, oh my goodness, these people actually want to kind of get around me and help me and listen and they do want to talk, it's not just like, okay, we're going to not think about this, we're going to push this under under the rug a little bit. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me for coping mechanisms and stuff is having a close group of friends who I can just spend time with and talk nonsense. Right. Like, in all honesty, that is one of the best things for me, for right. me personally. It might not be the same for everyone, but I will just spend... We go to Macca's after youth and we spend hours just 
talking about absolute nonsense. So that sounds like the distraction again. Yes, so exactly. like before your body was distracting mm-hmm. you by, yep. you know, feeling like you had bugs crawling under yep. you. So now you've learned to distract mm-hmm. yourself yes. in other ways, which mm-hmm. we studied this at yes. the Academy last yeah. year <clears throat> about um, different ways to look after ourselves mm-hmm. is, is finding those things that work for yeah. us. And good distractions could be a really good thing. And I'm a verbal processor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's come out of me going to all these different psychiatry sessions and everything. And I talk a lot. And I'm sorry to anyone who knows me because I talk <laughs> so much. I'm so sorry. But um, my best friend, Keely, she will sit there and just listen to me talk for like two hours. And then <laughs> yeah, be like, Keely. okay, like this is, yep, she's talking again. But like I need yeah. to verbally process yeah. And you don't do that at Academy. It's not no. like you walk around t- like talking wherever you no. go. So you know the place, safe places very selective with for you to go to. Who I talk to about yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that comes from years of trying to find the right people to talk to. Mm-hmm. So now being very selective mm. with who I'm friends with. Um, well, not who I'm friends with, but who I'm really close with. Totally. And who I will let speak into my life and everything because I know how – much damage can be done when the wrong people speak into your life and just at the wrong times and my mental state where I need to be, I need it to be constant. I can't be dealing with the ups and the downs. Yes. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, talk to us about, Oh, another coping mechanism. Sorry. Mm -hmm. That's where we were. Yeah. Is there anything else that you use apart from the destruction and talking nonsense yes yeah, so, um I journal a lot um mm-hmm. I have my bullet journal I like use that I like to use that as my creative outlet but I also use it to plan so I do up weekly spreads and I will have my days planned out but it's not just having my day planned out it's being able to have a theme for the month and having color schemes and being able to put that together in a way that my brain can kind of process on its right. own it's a creative process theme for the month so give me an example example last month i decided that i wanted to draw lemons all over my books so <laughs> okay it's, so it's, it's very month. random but like having like those color schemes right, and putting things together yeah and then i like to have um different verses that i focus on for each month and i put my goals down and i right. make sure that i'm very specific with those things that they're achievable goals right because Yes. If I make goals that are super unachievable, I'll put them maybe at the front of my bullet journal at the very start of the year, be like, this is my long-term goal, but I need short-term goals to kind of get me through each week. Right. I love that. That helps me kind of process. Yeah. And then I can verbally kind of be like, okay, I've got this this week. I've got this on Friday, this on Saturday. I'm going to work it out like this. Um, and along with that, then I do, I paint a lot. Mm. Um, so I've got my bullet journal. So I'm drawing in that. I'm doing things with my hands. I'm very tactile. Um, And then I'll just paint and just kind of use that as, okay, I'm feeling really upset at this point in time, but I'm going to sit down, I'm going to make myself a cup of tea, and I'm going to paint for three hours. And sometimes that's all I need to kind of be like, okay, now I can kind of go back to existing in a way that's like, yeah, you've learnt to self-manage. Yeah. yeah. To self-manage. I, I probably don't love the word self-care because mm. I think we overuse the word yes, self-care sure. and I think we've become very focused on mm. our self. But for want of a better word, you have learnt yeah. to self-manage your self-care. Yes. And that's an art and that's a mm. really important skill to mm. have. So like for me, it will be reading. I yes. love reading and a fiction book. 
because if I, I'm so busy often reading nonfiction because I'm trying to improve and learn things, but for me to switch off, I, I go and read. Yeah. So for some people listening, it might be music. Or exactly. Some people just like to watch YouTube. I and have my laugh. dogs. I love oh, to yes. just like hang out with hang out with my dogs. And I make do. Them sound like people. <laughs> Wait, <are they laughs> almost start. No, we not just quite. got a new puppy, and he's so lovely, and he's teething, which isn't oh. fun. But oh. like spending time yeah. with my dogs, that means I'm not yeah. home by myself, isolating. Right myself completely totally I've got my dogs I need to feed and then yes my puppy will crawl all over me and you can't ignore him so yeah. it's they're yeah. always there so it's good distractions yeah exactly it's, it's yeah. great distractions and I mean that's all like physical kind of things yeah. that you can do but you've yeah like prayer and yeah listening to worship music more like mm. oh my goodness if I'm having a bad day mm. I can't listen to anything but worship music because mm. I know that's the only thing that's really gonna yes get me in a better mindset. Yeah. So let's flip over to leadership because you are doing that so well in your life. Um, how do you find having um, a mental health diagnosis and being a leader and a great leader at that? Yeah. So, I mean, especially with youth ministry, um, we get obviously a lot of students who are dealing with their own kind of struggles, um, some diagnosed, some undiagnosed. Um, but being able to then think, okay, I felt like this when I was 15. Mm. I cannot imagine what someone who is possibly going through something much worse than I was at 15 must be feeling and being to being able to empathise on that level and be like, okay, maybe they're acting up because their parents are really not having a great time at home. Right. Maybe that means that they need a little bit of extra attention tonight, which is okay, like, you can have students who need a little bit of extra attention and you can tend to them and because they do need that little bit of extra attention. Yeah, and I think you can tell the difference between the ones that like are wanting it every week that yes. you go, okay, I need to deal with that in a different way mm-hmm. and the ones that, um, you know, it's not yeah. all the time. Yeah. Or or perhaps it is all the time because you've got to know yeah. the reason behind mm. it because they're living in a difficult situation at Exactly, home. yeah. And that's, yeah. that's something that needs to be addressed then on like a leadership kind of, youth pastor level as well yeah but being able to then empathize with students who are going through similar things um is really something that I don't take for granted right because I'm someone who maybe I'm the only person on team who has dealt with this specific thing yeah and maybe I'm the only person that this student can talk to yes yeah so you would say then that that's a real upside because there are so many young people that are dealing with this that you are more way more than sympathetic Mm -hmm. empathetic because you've been through it as much as it sucked going through it and Mm. I mean still dealing with it and having to cope with different things being able to talk to a student who Mm. has a like really severe depression disorder yeah and be like I know how you feel. Yeah. And I know that some people will go like, oh, yeah, like I know how you feel. Like I totally get that. No, like I actually yes. do. Yeah. It's not me just being a youth leader. It's right. me being someone who has gone through exactly right. that Whereas I don't know how yeah. they feel, so I can't say I mm. know how you feel. Yeah. But if you come from a broken home, I can say I know how you feel. Exactly. Which you also can. Yeah. <laughs> and we've all got so, those different areas right. that we are more – 
right. more expertise, I guess. Yeah. We have more experience in, so we can talk into those areas. Yeah. But it's also educating yourself on the areas that you don't have experience with. That's really important. Totally, because we're not the be-all and end-all yeah. as leaders. Yeah. And um, sometimes, I think particularly in youth ministry as well, or even in church life, like we're lead pastors, and you've got to know the boundaries of when it is definitely our job to help Mm -hmm. and to love people and to help them through things but then when that ends and then when we need to send them to Mm -hmm. someone that can help them more than us which we'll talk about in just a moment Mm -hmm. what about some of the downsides maybe to leading um so I remember my first year of youth ministry um my first year out of high school 2018 and I have preface I have um chronic fatigue So my body just, it gets to a point where it's just too exhausted to keep going and it just kind of needs time to sit still and recharge for a little bit. Um, I am constantly tired. It's rough. (laughs) Um, But I remember my first year of youth ministry, um, we'd had a big Friday night and I went downstairs at church after we finished and I sat down and... I just cried because I couldn't get back up because I was just so exhausted and tired and I felt so helpless because I couldn't help pack up like chairs. I couldn't do the chairs. I still can't do a lot of things because my body is just exhausted 24 seven. Um, and not being able to help is like, Oh, is it because I'm having a bad day or is it because my body is just like this? And then having to, go through that in my head because I am a chronic overthinker. Yeah, and And a perfectionist. Exactly. (laughs) And extremely – you've got that sense of responsibility where, like, you like to do things really Mm -hmm. well and you like to be the person that helps and does your bit. So that must Mm. be difficult. Yeah. it's It was a lot of that in my first year of youth ministry. So how did you work through that? How did you then mm-hmm. come to a place where you've got that um, that that balance between what you can do and what you can't do as a leader? Because you do yep. a lot. Yes. Like, hello, production, like everything we were talking <laughs> yeah. about at the beginning. How do you manage that? Um, I think my saving grace in first year out of school and first year in youth ministry was making sure that I got a good night's sleep on Thursday night before youth on Friday. It's right. such a little thing right but making sure that you're getting the right amount of sleep can be so crucial as to like Mm. your mental state as well like if your body is tired of course your brain is going to be tired so just kind of Mm. being like okay I need to get a good night's sleep before this or if Mm. I don't get a good night's sleep beforehand maybe I'm just going to take it really easy on Friday morning and just sit and maybe even have a nap before I go to youth because I know that if I don't, right. I'm going to end up on a heap in the floor downstairs. Right. So you've worked out what you need mm-hmm. to do for you. Yeah. And I think even even like um, the things that we eat, you know, I know as a teacher myself, different kids that I've had where I would say, yeah, I think they struggle with mm-hmm. actual anxiety. Um, and then I look in their lunch boxes and I'm like, wow, like not that that's causing it, but it's definitely no, can't yeah. be helping it when they're pumping out on sure. sugar and things mm-hmm. like that. Do you find that you've got to be careful with what you eat or yeah. not so much? Um, it's gotten better. Mm-hmm. I remember for um, quite a long period of time, I was only eating like really bad foods when I was down and when I was right. like really not, really not coping very well. Um, but now making sure that I am drinking enough water even. Right. Like, because if I 
don't drink enough water, you get a headache. And if mm. I get a headache, then I'm going to be so much more crabby yes. <laughs> than I like than I could be. And yeah. then that's going to impact on how I talk to others mm. and talk to my students on a Friday night. And if I have a bad interaction with someone on a Friday night, that's going to keep replaying in my head. And I'm going to think about that for weeks to come. And that's just going to perpetuate this cycle of, right. oh my goodness, I did something wrong. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to cope with it. And then that just keeps going. Right. And then that's it. Overthinking yep. again. Yeah. So anything else that you do, you, you make sure you get a good mm-hmm. sleep. You obviously monitor yourself and, yes. make, and you know when you're starting to yep. go on a downer. So maybe take mm-hmm. a nap. Um, fill yourself up with a self, good self-management, mm-hmm. like chatting with friends about yeah. nothing. Um, I really like going to the gym. Yeah. Um, oh, not doing you. anything crazy. Not doing anything crazy. <laughs> it causes me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> My body isn't great, so I can't do much at gym. Right. Um, I can't lift things mm-hmm. above a certain weight. It's very, like, my body is not fantastic. Um, <laughs> so... I do a lot of cardio and just being on the treadmill, walking at high incline for 30 minutes. Mm, that's good. That's enough for me to be like, okay, I did something. And then yeah. your brain is releasing the good chemicals. Yeah. That's like, yeah, good yeah. job. You yeah, did it today. Great. Like it really helps. Is there ever a time as a leader where perhaps um, a student might tell you something and it's too much for you mm-hmm. and you can feel it flip you into – Yes. Uh, an anxious mode. Yes, that has happened before. Um, and in all honesty, it's it's hard to kind of say to a student, okay, um, I don't think that I myself am able to help you with this because I do like helping people and right. I want to be able to fix people's problems. But if I'm talking to a student and they're talking about something that's really deep, like, I can't do this yeah and my like, our youth pastors are incredible and Letitia is shout out Ryan and Letitia honest they are incredible they are. we and love them Letitia is one of my favorite people <laughs> and knowing when I can't cope with something I can just come and chat to her do you know what you've hit on it's something the right there that's so important and I talked about this in an unrecorded session <laughs> that I did last week or the other two couple weeks ago in Melbourne Um, and yeah I was really honest and raw with everyone and and pretty much talked about we are not everyone's Mm saviour you know and you're exactly right like knowing where that line is and then having your people Mm -hmm. who know what your vulnerabilities are and then to help protect you not protect you from the people with the issues but protect you from going downhill mm. because something might have triggered yeah. you and it's important for us all to know what those triggers are we've all got triggers yes. we've all got things that we don't cope with very well it might be that you've been abused and so mm-hmm. then a student or someone you know under your leadership yeah. comes and tells you about their abuse situation mm-hmm. all of a sudden it can send you yeah. downhill so um yeah so you've got your people again yeah. to talk to so give us a couple of um and we've only gone a few minutes out of time. It's a, a great conversation, so who cares? Um, if some listeners right now are struggling, you know, what what can we do? Where can we go to? Yep. Um, we talked about, you and I were chatting earlier about the importance. We're so blessed to be in a church community, yes. seriously. Oh, my goodness. It is such an incredible blessing to be part of. It's not just like a community. It's a family. Yeah. Um, 
and if you're not comfortable maybe talking to your parents about mm. I don't know how to deal with my anxious thoughts they're getting too much being able to be okay this is my youth leader I trust my youth leader I'm going to have a good conversation yeah. with them about what they think I should do yeah and as youth leaders it's not our job to fix things mm-hmm. it's our job to come alongside you and Perfect. to do the journey with you like we might not have the answers but if we can come alongside you and maybe even drive you to your counselling appointments or anything like that, we're here to help. We've had youth leaders do that, like literally make the Mm. appointment um, with Headspace and drive a student, a couple of students that we've had, to their appointments. Yeah, it's what we're here for. Like we're here to do life with you. We're not here to just give you one-and-done advice. It's, Mm. no, we're here to actually do the journey with you. Yeah. Um, And then... Not just your youth leaders, but if you are really worried that something might be up, um, go and see your GP. Yeah. Like that will that should always be like your first port of call when it comes to diagnosing. Um, if you think that there is something that you may be struggling with that you yes. need to get checked out, yeah. um, because they will then do the tests and you can yeah. get a mental health plan and yeah. get the ball rolling because you can't yeah. fix something that you don't. Oh, when we keep things in the dark, they have power mm-hmm. over us. Yes, exactly. And when we let them out into the light, and how do we do that? Yes, we pray, mm-hmm. but we also go and yep. we talk to someone. Then all of a sudden, just that problem halved yep. by sharing it exactly. is so freeing. And mm-hmm. there's so much hope, right? Yep. So much hope. No matter what your diagnosis might be, there's always something exactly. that, that you can do. Mm-hmm. Where else can we go, Amy? Um, so you do have places like Headspace, um, which does offer free online support and phone support if you do want to call them. Kids Helpline is also incredible. They're like a 24-hour phone line. Yeah. Um, and that's up to age, I think it's 25. Right. So then there's also Lifeline and yep. other places like that for crisis support. So there are people to chat to and if it's online as well. So if you don't want to go in and you don't want to see a GP because you're worried that maybe I don't actually have anxiety, maybe people are going to think I'm silly or whatever, one, your doctor isn't going to think you're silly and you should yeah, go and ask totally. anyway. But you can always go into Headspace and just chat to someone and be like, hey, um, I'm worried that I might have anxiety. Could you please tell me a little bit more about it? Yes. And I'll chat you through it. Perfect. That is so good. Amy, that has been so helpful to be able to talk to you now for two weeks in a row, um, you know, around both sides of things that perhaps A, are we overdiagnosing, but B, if we do have something, then what can we do? And I think you are a fantastic example of someone who's, you know, been through it, um, living with it and just absolutely thriving. So... Thank you so much for joining us. And time is well and truly out. So, guys, we love you and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.